From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Discerning Marriage Podcast, hosted by Elizabeth Busby. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Discerning Marriage Podcast. Today, I have someone so exciting on this podcast, someone I'm so excited for you to meet. He is a personal friend of my husband and I. He has deeply enriched our lives. Um, I'm so excited to share him with you. So his name is Father Blake Britton. Hey, Father Blake. Hello there. Wonderful to be with you, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You are welcome. Thank you for joining us. So I'm actually, for all of you guys who are listening, who don't have the pleasure of knowing Father Blake yet, I'm going to go ahead and read a bio so that you kind of get to know him a little more before we dive into this. So... Father Blake Britton was born and raised in the Diocese of Orlando, Florida, the oldest of four children. After studying opera at an art school and the Orlando Opera Company, and also singing in the Epcot Christmas. That's That's right. I didn't put that detail in there. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, but everyone needs to know you sang at Epcot at Christmas time. Uh, He applied for the seminary at the age of 18, where he earned both a bachelor's degree in philosophy as well as a master's in divinity. He's fluently bilingual in English and Spanish and well studied in classical Latin and biblical Greek. He's a published author and frequent guest speaker for conferences, radio programs, podcasts, retreats, and lectures. His writings are published in several national and international outlets, including Bishop Robert Barron's Word on Fire Ministries blog and the Evangelization and Culture Journal. He has also been featured in the National Catholic Register and EWTN. He's a co-host with Brandon Bott in the Brochure Podcast, a show focusing on Catholic culture and millennial evangelization, which we'll talk more about later because I am pumped that that finally exists, Um, and St. Mary's Catholic Church and School in Rockledge, Florida, welcomed Father Blake in 2018, where he serves as the parochial vicar. So he's awesome. He's awesome. (laughs) What his bio says, but I wanted you guys to have kind of a basic understanding of who he is because what we're talking about today is practical, but it's also deeply theological. And so I wanted you to, to know that the person you're chatting with has the, the credentials to be able to speak like he does and, and um, commands really a lot of respect in the way that he presents the teachings of the church because he, he knows what he's talking about. So anyways, <laughs> hi, Father Blake. Hello there. Thank you again for having me. I'm really excited about this. It's beautiful just to see how you and I were speaking before even the podcast started, how the fruits of a good Christian friendship lead to development of things like this. So I'm just, I'm just so excited to be with you and be able to share some of the fruits of that friendship, as well as just some of the graces that Christ has shared in both of our lives, you in the sacrament of marriage and me in the sacrament of holy priesthood. So it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm excited for our audience to enjoy it. Oh, I am too. We have a long list of, um, I have a long list of dream episodes. I want Father Blake to come on because there are so many beautiful conversations we've had that we've loved for you guys to get to share in um, the graces of. And, uh, but today what we're talking about is identity and discernment. Hmm. So um, obviously this is the discerning marriage podcast, right? You wouldn't be listening if you didn't want to try and kind of figure out if God was calling you to marriage. Um, But before we really dive super deeply into an understanding of how to do that and some practical tips for discerning marriage, I really think it's super important to discover how to discern in general, right? Very, I'm a big Sound of Music fan. Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. I could have Father Blake sing that for you, but I'm not going (laughs) to. And when Father Blake and I have talked about discernment and, and really what is the foundation of discernment? How, where, what's like the 1.0, right? Like how do you get started doing it? Yeah. But obviously both of us have successfully discerned our vocations. 
respectively to marriage and uh, priesthood, but where do we get people started? And so that's, that's why I wanted Father Blade to come on because the fruits of those conversations in us have been really beautiful. Um, and so, yeah, I want to share him with you. So just initial thoughts about that, um, the relationship yeah. between identity and discernment, Father Blake. Great question. I, as you know, I'm a lover of words and languages. So <laughs> I'm a lover of just uh, really understanding and seeking the origin of words, which is what we call mm. etymology. That's the study of words. So let's quickly dive into the etymology, the study of the word discernment. That word Love discernment it. comes from the Latin discernere. And particularly, we have to focus on that second part, chendere, which comes from an ancient Proto-Indo-European word that dates back thousands of years, and that is the word cre, cre. What it literally means is to sieve. So for those of you who may not know mm. what a sieve is, a sieve is something that was, that's used. It's a tool that you would, for example, pour dirt into. The gold miners out mm. west would pour dirt into the sieve, and they would shake it around, and it would make all the unnecessary particles fall out of the sieve and what was left behind was the rich gold so you'd be able mm. to know and find the proper kinds of diamonds in it so to, to discern is literally to sieve our lives meaning to pour everything that we are into through prayer to pour everything that we are through study to pour everything that we are through contemplation into the heart of jesus and allow the sacred heart to be a sieve that shakes us out if you will that leaves behind the rich gold of who we truly are as his children. So mm. that's first and yes. foremost, a, a true understanding of what discernment is and, and a definition of what discernment is. So that in the back of our minds, we can now dive more deeply into the actual relationship between discernment and identity. So when I was at the Institute for Priestly Formation, which is out in Omaha, Nebraska, an outstanding institution that a lot of seminarians around the country attend, they prioritized three things when it came to discern, discernment relationship, identity, mission. So in order to find your identity, in order to really discern, you must first have an active relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is the real foundations of any discernment. So I know that for many of us, by the way, I'm included in this, for many of us, right off the bat, we're just, we ask the question, am I supposed to be a priest? Am I supposed to get married? Am I supposed to be a husband, a father, a wife, a mother? What should I, as opposed to the first question should always be, do I know Christ? Do I know Jesus Christ? There's your first question. Do I have an active personal relationship with the Lord that's nourished by the sacramental life of the church? Flowing from that relationship then comes our identity. So when I encounter Christ and through Christ the Father, then I know that primarily I am beloved. I am one who is treasured in the eyes of the Father. And what this does, that's just amazing, and you and I have spoken about this on a regular basis, Elizabeth, what this does for you is that it gives you the freedom now not to have the pressures of society or even the pressures of our own religious presuppositions pushing us towards any particular avenue of discernment or any particular vocation, but rather we know that we're beloved no matter what. Yes. <laughs> that we are the joy of the Father. And yes. so that gives us the freedom now to not with anxiety, but with a true spirit of obedience discern God's will in our lives. Mm, and I think so many people who want to get married maybe don't even ever consider celibacy or when they do consider celibacy, it strikes such a paralyzing fear in them mm. that they almost don't want to continue discerning for fear that they would discover God's calling them to celibacy. Right. So I love what you just said about how really what matters is our relationship with Jesus and yeah. like that perfect love casts out fear. 
There's right. no reason to be afraid. And by the way, in a future episode, we're going to talk about Father Blake's priesthood and his, the beauty of celibacy. And <laughs> I'm, we've had yummy conversations about that. I'm so excited to let y'all share that. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so um, there is something so freeing, so liberating yes. about truly having a relationship with Jesus and trusting that he is going to fulfill our ultimate happiness. Yeah. And a big part of that as well is the freedom also to be yourself. So mm. Christ never calls you apart from who you are, from who he made you. So there's a wonderful rabbi who once wrote a book about vocation. And this book spoke about on the day of your death, when you appear before the father, he's not going to ask you why you weren't Moses. He's going to ask you why you weren't yourself. And that could be easily applied to all of our lives. Whenever you die, the Lord's not going to answer you, ask you why you're not St. Francis of Assisi. He's not going to ask you why you aren't St. Catherine of Siena. He's going to ask you, why aren't you St. Elizabeth Busby of mm-hmm. Texas? Why aren't you St. Blake Britain of Rockledge, right? <laughs> the Lord created you specifically. So part of the sermon as well is really understanding who am I? Meaning, what are the intricacies? What are the particularities of my personality? And there's beauty in that because the Father delights in them. So I know, mm. for example, <laughs> for Elizabeth and I, we're both lovers of Disney, right? And, <laughs> we will talk we more could... about this in a few minutes, guys. <laughs> it's not an obsession. We can stop whenever we want. <laughs> I don't care what my Ross husband says. would disagree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what he said. And so, although that love of Disney on a much deeper level actually <laughs> speaks to the childlike heart that both of us possess, mm-hmm. right? Which is not just us, there's many people who possess that gift. And the fact that we're free to live it. There's there's mm-hmm. something that we find in Disney that's delightful because there's there's a delight in us being God's children. And the Lord doesn't want us to sacrifice that. Rather, he wants us to live that and make that an integral part of our vocations. And that really does nourish and feed my vocation to the priesthood. So you, you struck on a very important point there, Elizabeth, and you spoke earlier about the importance of identity and the fact that Christ calls you, you know, Christ calls who you are. So that's very important for us to remember. Yes, yes, yes. So when we've talked about this in the past, um, we have talked a lot about the crisis of the loss of identity, right? Mm, in in right. the age that we're living in. And I would love it if you'd expound on that some. Sure, sure. So obviously, this is the crisis, especially of the millennial and post-millennial age, which they're now calling Gen Z. It has several contributing factors. I would say on one level, technology is very much to blame. Not that technology is an inherent evil, but technology in the very way that it exists and its very presuppositions, what I mean by that is technology necessarily makes us not encounter reality all the time. Mm. (laughs) So whenever you sit in front of a screen and now especially with the video game industry and others like it, when you make a Facebook profile, when you make a LinkedIn profile, um, and now you have things like Tinder and that sort of stuff as well, when you're making all these profiles, what you're doing is that you're creating or or you're propping up an image of yourself that may not be completely authentic to who you are or may be compensating for lack of human formation that needs to take place within your heart. And What's happened now, especially again with the millennial and post-millennial generations, is is that technology has become a compensation Mm. for that human formation, for that identity formation. So because of that, you're having this identity crisis. It's fascinating to me. Blue Cross Blue Shield released a health index in 2017 saying that one out of every 100 millennials suffers from major depression. That's the Mm. highest out of any rate or any generation in the United States history. How is it that the wealthiest generation in United States history, that the most interconnected generation in United States history, that the most globalized and technologically advanced generation in United States history is simultaneously the most depressed and anxious. 
of all the generations in the United States history. Well, that's because there's something very humane that's not taking place within us, and that's being rooted in this technology difficulty, but it's also being rooted in the breakdown of the family, which I know you'll discuss mm. in future podcasts, but the assault of contraception, the assault of same-sex marriage, all these different things that are really trying to break down family bonds. So that's affecting the fact that 50% of marriages in the United States are ending in divorce. That means 50% of our population are being raised in homes that may not be stable homes. I mean, that's a huge influence. That's hundreds of millions of people that are now going out and they're trying to learn from scratch how to be mothers and fathers. So there's just a lot of contributing factors that, to that identity crisis. The good news is <laughs> that the beauty of Christ, the beauty of his church, the truth of his teachings are greater than any crisis. And that's the great news that St. John Paul II shared through his Theology of the Body, but also the news that the church continues to share. And that this podcast, I think, will do a wonderful job in sharing with many, many people. Mm, please, Jesus, let it be so. So yes, I think that tapping into the things that Father Blake is saying in your own life would be even just a great place to start. Like how much of what he's saying resonates with you, you know, is, is this stirring up something in your heart? This is, this is kind of where we want this dialogue to lead right. you to the self-examination and where, um, where are the places in your heart where Jesus hasn't been led in yet? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. so We've spoken about this in the past. Um, of course, I've said, I said it like 16 times. Everyone knows we've <laughs> talked about this, Elizabeth. All right. Um, we're going to say, but, we're going to say that a lot, you know? <laughs> yes. I love, and this is, we'll talk about this uh, briefly later, but the Burrishire podcast that you're doing um, with your best friend, Brandon, I love one of the things y'all do is you welcome people into the friendship that already exists. Yes. Um, and that's totally what I, you know, I hope this podcast is as well, that the friendship, the rich friendship that we've developed is something that the readers are readers, the listeners are welcomed into. So I'm going to stop talking about it all the time, but that is a goal of that I want in these yeah. dialogues. So we, as you mentioned, love Disney guys. <laughs> not going to be the last time you hear me talking about this. love it so much. Um, before I, act, okay, listen, guys, I have to tell you before we get into where I'm going next. Like, I want you to talk to me about your Disney connection, please. This, this guys, this solidified. We'll tell you later the story of how Father Blake and I met. It was tumultuous uh, to start. But we got there at the end. And what really warmed me up to him, not even going to lie, is this story. I'm gonna tell this story, Father Blake. So my family has more than just uh, a passing relationship with Disney World. I mean, I'm born and raised in the Diocese of Orlando, of course. But why? Uh, for several generations. <laughs> and the reason being is that my grandfather was actually hired by the Disney Corporation, well, hired by Disney. Um, and by Walt to, himself, guys. Walt. By Walt. <laughs> the Walt Disney himself. The man. In order to be the first foreman of Walt Disney World, which is, which is pretty incredible. My grandfather's working actually in a shipyard in Tampa, um, and then eventually was contracted over to Disney World, and he's the one that built all of the locomotive engines that are now in Disney World. So all those trains were built by my grandfather, my grandfather has also been inducted into the Disney Hall of Fame and Disney Legends. And um, sure he still, has. until this day, thank God, has a very good relationship <laughs> with, uh, with Roy Disney. So um, it's just, it really is really, really special to have that connection to my family. So I grew up going to Disney World all the time. Obviously. My grandfather have such a close relationship with the Disney family and with others outside the Disney family. Some of those original families in Disney World, such as the Brogies and, and others. Um, mm, so cool. So, so cool for one of his ordination presents. I bought him this. Um, my husband and I bought him, but really it was, I was like, he has to have this, a book about Walt Disney's like railroad love. Cause Walt, lo I don't know if you know about Walt, he loved railroads. They were like a big passion of his well before Disneyland existed. 
And it had George Britton in the book. He was like in the index in this book about Disney. Okay. We're digressing a little bit, but guys, public is so cool. So um, (laughs) we we dialogue about Disney a lot and about how um, just how the Lord can use that to teach really great lessons. I mean, storytelling is something that Christ used to teach really important things. And I think that, you know, obviously there's a lot of chaff we can, we can, put it through the sieve. Right. Right. And, but there's still a lot of, of wheat that we can get out of even something, um, like Disney. And so, uh, I really, there's an analogy he uses here, father Blake that you use here. And I want you to share it with everybody. Yeah. So one of my favorite Disney movies of all time is the Lion King. Mm. The Lion King is incredibly theological on multiple levels. It's funny. I've actually used it on several retreats and talks and conferences (laughs) even that I've given. Dude, I've done it too about confession. That's not where we're going with it today, but I've used, I've used it too. It's so applicable to so many things. It is. It's an incredible story. And I could go, I I could go scene through scene. Dude, let's start our episode. Let's dive into some of these. Let's do it. We'll do it. We'll 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 save it. But there's one particular scene I do want to highlight in regards to our conversation. And that would be right after Simba has encountered Nala, a great theology of the body moment, by the way, the fact that it's femininity, the feminine genius Mm. that summons out of Simba his call to Mm. become king of Pride Rock. But after he's had that encounter, he meets Rafiki on the rock, aka the priest. Rafiki's the priest, Mm -hmm. right? And Rafiki says, I know your father. So Simba thinks his father's dead. But Rafiki knows that his father is alive, but in a new and more profound way than Simba could ever imagine. And so Rafiki leads Simba through this thicket. And along this way, Simba is being choked by vines and he's tripping and he's falling. Of course, this is a great illustration of life. We all trip and fall sometimes. We're trying to discern our true vocations. We get choked by the vines of our personal sin. We get choked by the vines of others who may be trying to impose their own views or, or their own perspectives upon us. And, but Christ is always leading us through his church to the truth. And what does Rafiki lead him to? Water, to a pond, mm. baptism, mm. baptism. Leads mm. him to this pond, Simba looks into it, and he at first only sees his reflection, but Rafiki says something so profound. He says, look harder. In other words, look deeper, look deeper. And Simba looks deeper into the water, and what does he see? A reflection of his father. And that, of course, is the great Mm -hmm. scene when Mufasa appears in the heavens and says, you are my beloved son. You're my beloved son. Where have I heard that? Yeah, doesn't it sound familiar? (laughs) A baptism in the River Jordan, right? So this is literally this Jordan uh, theophonic. That means this, this moment of revelation that when God reveals himself, this is a moment when Mufasa reveals to Simba's true identity, you're my beloved son. This is what Christ does for us as the children of his father. My brothers and sisters, the whole purpose of Satan, the whole purpose of the enemy is to warp our identity as precious beloved children of God. Mm. And the more that he's able to warp that through leading us to temptation of sin, the less and less we're able to reconcile with our vocations. And this is why Elizabeth and I mentioned at the beginning how important it is to, have, to be living in the state of grace, to be living a life of grace, to have a personal mm-hmm. active relationship with Christ before we actually authentically discern our vocations. We have to, to really redeem and reclaim the dignity of who we are as God's children. Once that's done, then the Father is ready to reveal our vocation. Mufasa first helps Simba reclaim his identity, and then he says, remember who you are. You are the, a king. Mm-hmm. That's who you are. My brothers and sisters, remember who you are. You are kings and queens. You are sons and daughters of the Father. You are precious. You are beloved. You're beautiful. You're held in the palm of his hands. 
if we understand that truth, our vocations will come very obvious to us relatively quickly. Mm. I have goosebumps, guys. I love it so much. (laughs) So if someone wanted to dive deeper into this topic, right, this was something that really was striking chords with them. What do you suggest they do? Yeah. So again, the first thing is getting an active prayer life together. Um, and so just a few practical points on that note. Obviously, I know it's, it's difficult in some circumstances to do that. For example, um, you always have the ability to, to try to go to daily mass or try to go to Eucharistic adoration or whatever it may be. Obviously, the sacramental life of the church is the bread and butter, the spiritual life. So just Meaning giving yourself Eucharist access. Yep. Confession. Eucharist, reconciliation. You know, I go to confession once a month. It's not because I'm Robin Banks, okay? <laughs> it's, it's, it's because I need it for my spiritual life. That's a mm-hmm. beautiful place to go back to the waters of your baptism and reclaim your identity as sons and daughters of God. So living the sacramental life of the church, Eucharist, um, reconciliation, uh, going to mass on a regular basis, those sort of things. If you're able to find a good spiritual director, or if not even a spiritual director, maybe just someone who is willing, a priest preferably, or a religious sister who's willing to give you some spiritual guidance, maybe once every couple of months and help your discernment, that's always good. And then also, as far as, the, as readings go, uh, sacred scripture, always first and foremost. And you can go ahead and Google online, actually. There are some, some places where you can look up you know, readings for discernment, scripture passages for discernment. Beautiful. Um, Father Gallagher wrote some great books on discerning the spirits that I would strongly suggest. So you just look him up, a Father yep, Gallagher. We'll link some I'm, of these in the show notes, guys. So if this is something that's stirring up with you, we'll have it. We'll have access to it for you. Yep, absolutely. Um, so Father Gallagher's books. Um, and so St. John Paul II, you know, his, his theology of the body, honestly, is something that, believe it or not, is really good for discernment because it helps mm-hmm. you understand your humanity a little bit better. So those are just some of the resources that I would suggest and some of the practical things. One more thing I would say, which would be really good too, and you could look this up. Um, I'll be having actually an episode on my own podcast, the Broshire podcast, on this exact topic, the Liturgy of the Hours. So the Liturgy of the Hours, for those of you who may not be familiar with it, is the universal prayer of the church. It's the second highest form of liturgy outside of the Mass. And this is something that any person who's baptized is allowed to do in the comfort of their own home. And this is a way for us to plug into the beating heart of Mother Church. So the more and more that we plug into the heart of the church, the more and more that we're sharing in the life of Christ, honestly, the more and more clear our discernment will become. So those are just a few of the immediate, um, few of the immediate suggestions that I would give. I love it. So if someone's sitting here and is listening to you and hasn't prayed, maybe ever, um, like doesn't have any sort of developed prayer life, maybe there's a desire for it, uh, but they've never, they've just never gotten around to it, or maybe they are in a period of suffering. And so they've distanced themselves from the Lord in that. Um, What is one practical tip related to identity and prayer? Like if they, you know, you get to work or you get home from work, wherever you're listening to this, or you're done, you've finished folding laundry, whatever you're doing. And you're like, I really want to pray. I really want to pray. I know you gave us lots of options just now, but maybe what's the easiest, like what's the simple, what, just give us one tip if they're like, I really got to get back into praying or get into praying in general. What do you think that they could do tonight? Yeah. Your spiritual life never exists apart from reality. Mm. Christ is in what's right in front of you. Okay. And so your spiritual life beginning an authentic prayer life is not going to be something apart from, you know, it's not like you have to go do something extraordinary. If you haven't prayed in a long time, or you just always wonder like how to pray, what you do is at that moment, fall on your knees and say that exact thing to Jesus Christ. Mm. Like God loves you. He wants to meet you where you may not think he is. 
And this is what I share with people in confession all the time. They come to me after 30 years of not going to confession. They say, Father, my soul is too dark. It's too ugly. God would ne could never love someone like me. And I always let them know Christ loves what's broken the most. This is the whole point of the cross. This is why whenever he resurrects from the dead, he shows his wounds. Those are his identifying aspects. These are what reveal essentially who he is, is his brokenness. God has incorporated through, through Christ brokenness into divinity. <laughs> and now brokenness becomes mm -hmm. actually the fullness of the revelation of divinity. So going to where, to that place of authenticity, going to where your heart is at that moment, that's where prayer really starts. Lord Jesus, I don't even know how to pray, Lord. I don't even, I don't even know if you're there. All I know is that I love you. Or at least if that's not true, that I want to. And as Teresa of Avila will say, our desire to want is sufficient for Christ to make a saint. Our mm, desire amen. to want is sufficient for Christ to make a saint. So start right there. I mean, start from the truth. The truth is I haven't prayed. The truth is I don't know what I'm doing. Good. <laughs> Good. The apostles didn't either. Most of the time, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, just, I just ask Jesus. I'm like, Lord, leave me. <laughs> Lead me in my poverty. And you know what? He's always so generous in doing that. So don't be discouraged at all. And I promise you, Starting that place of authenticity, the Lord will lead it from there. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Well, oh, this has just been such a joy, and I'm so excited to uh, get to contribute to sharing you with the world. I know you have a lot of other places that the Lord is using your gifts, uh, particularly <laughs> you. Word on Fire and the Burrowshire podcast. Um, but I'm so excited that to have you with me in, on this mission. Um, and uh, so if you guys loved what you heard about or from Father Blake, I really want to direct you to his podcast that he has with um, his best friend, Brandon. They are doing some really, really wonderful stuff over there. Um, so it's a Burrowshire podcast. You can find it wherever you found this podcast. Um, it'll be there too. Um, and he also has some phenomenal articles on Word on Fire and um, where else? Anywhere else? Yes. Yeah, so mainly through the Word on Fire blog, the Evangelization and Culture magazine. So there, yes, there are a couple of different places. Uh, thank God that the Lord's been very generous in allowing me to serve him. So I'm thankful for that. <laughs> Amen. Well, we are so thankful for you. And um, we uh, are just so excited to get to launch this podcast with you, kind of uh, helping you. us out at the home. And thank you. Thank you so much. Um, please keep You're all welcome. of us in your prayers. And let me just say this. I want to thank you, Elizabeth. I truly do. And I want to thank those who are helping you put this podcast together. Thank you for inviting me to be a guest. But a podcast such as this is incredibly needed. I can tell you as a pastor of souls, the amount of men and women that I am regularly counseling who are attempting to discern their state of life, mm -hmm. specifically discern a vocation of marriage. Marriage is one of these seven sacraments. It's not just a very important thing in the life of the church. It's not just something that's really, really good. It is a sacrament. It is, <laughs> it is literally one of the ways that Christ reveals himself tangibly in history, in the world. Mm. And so helping men and women discern this vocation is incredibly vital. So I just want to thank you. I think this podcast is filling a very important lacuna, if you will, in the, in the realm of, of Catholic podcast. And I'm hoping that it will be able to continue cooperating with other podcasts in the future. I know the Lord's been blessing many and inspiring many wonderful Catholic speakers such as yourself to do this. So I just thank God for you and thank you for this podcast. And I will, I pray that it will continue to bless many hearts as it's blessed mine today. Mm, thanks be to God. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later, Father Blake. All right. See you later. God bless. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
I hope you enjoyed this chat with Father Blake. His friendship is such a blessing to my husband and me, and I'm so glad for the chance to get to welcome you into the gift of that friendship. So I pray this was a fruitful topic for you and that God is able to use it to move in your heart for your own discernment journey. And again, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid. The Discerning Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute. For more information about discerning marriage, visit discerningmarriage.com. To learn more about the Theology of the Body, visit tobinstitute.org.